Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. some battles even right now that God is wanting to win in this building. that one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise to our God who always causes us to triumph. Always causes us to triumph. Amen. If you could turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15. 
Say thank you to the praise team for leading us into the presence of God. Thank you for you all as a congregation. Man, I've learned that talent can't get you into the presence of God. Performance can't get you into the presence of God. You cannot entertain your way. There are many today that try to duplicate the presence of God through entertainment. But there is no, there is no duplicating the presence of God. There is no substitute for the true presence of God. And you don't get there through performance. You don't get there through talent, but you get there through true praise. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Samuel mourned, and the Lord repented. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 5. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul mourned. Samuel mourned for Saul. The Lord rejected Saul. He says, But now fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? Saul knows that I'm about to anoint the next king while he's still on the throne he will kill me the Lord said take a heifer with me and say the reason that I'm coming is to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. Amen. The Lord bless you. I'm going to preach for just a few minutes this Sunday morning on this thought. How long will you mourn? Amen. Ask your neighbor, How long? Will you mourn? There is a term in our vernacular, in our vocabulary, maybe a psychological term, something that we're all familiar with. It's nostalgia. We're all familiar with feelings of nostalgia. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the term nostalgia, you're certainly feel you're certainly familiar with the feeling of nostalgia. Nostalgia is simply wishing that we could go back to a previous time, a way that things used to be. I think we've got different phrases today to capture, you know, back in the day when we're kind of glorifying our youth. We'll tell the young people now, well, back in my day, right, if you'd have played basketball against me back in my day, I'd have taught you a lesson. Right? Back in my day, things were different. That's nostalgia. It's us wishing for a previous moment in time. I read a little bit up, and I'm not going to, to talk a lot about this, this term or this mental condition of nostalgia, but some of the things that I read about it is that they have found psychologists, as they study this, this mindset of nostalgia, they found that most often people feel nostalgia during downtimes. They, they feel nostalgia during times of discouragement and depression because 
they're thinking back to better days and better times and, and it tends to be an uplifting feeling when you can think back to a way that things used to be. And, and so I want to today as I preach from this passage of scripture that we have read and I want to look at these two kings, Saul and David, and I want to ask the question as we bring principles out from this passages of scripture and ask us today, how long are we going to mourn? As a people, God is asking the church, I believe today, how long will we mourn? In one year's time, the church has seen such great transition, such transformation has taken place in the last year. And I believe that God is asking the church today, not just collectively as a body, but individuals in this building today, how long are we going to mourn? The kingship of Saul had begun with such great promise. I'm just going to kind of choose a few scriptures to bring out some of the promising beginning of Saul as the king of Israel. First of all, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 17, the Bible says that when Samuel saw Saul, that's a good tongue twister there, say that one five times fast. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, this is the man who I spake to thee of. This same man will reign over my people. What a promising beginning that God speaks to the prophet Samuel. As soon as Samuel lays eyes on Saul, God said, that's my man. Saul was handpicked by God. Amen. What a great feeling it is to know that you have been chosen by God. Amen. Everybody that is in this building, you need to know that you're not here on accident. You're not here because you had the idea today that I think it's a good idea to go to church. You're not even here because somebody invited you. Now, I want to say we're, thank you for all of our guests for coming. And you might think that you're here because somebody invited you, but that's really not the whole truth. If you're in this building today, you're in this building because God has chosen you. The Bible tells us that no man comes unless the Spirit draws him. Now about this point in the service, is that if this is your first time in a Pentecostal service, you might be already making up in your mind, it's your last time. But welcome to the crowd because there's a lot of people sitting around you that about this, the point, this point in their first service, they were thinking the same thing as you. Can I get a witness in the house? How many of you would stand right now and say, yeah, I think about halfway through my first service, I was saying I'm never coming back either. So you're in good company right now. But if you're in this building today, you're here because you have been handpicked by God. What a promising beginning, handpicked by God. 1 Samuel 10 and 1 goes on and tells us that Samuel brings a vial of oil. We're going to revisit that portion in a few minutes, but Samuel the prophet brings a vial of oil and he pours it upon the head of Saul and he kisses him and says, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? So he has been handpicked by God, but he is also, that anointing is also being recognized by the man of God, by the prophet. So he is appointed and handpicked by God, but he is also anointed by the man of God. He is anointed by the prophet. What a great beginning to the kingship of Saul. Continuing on from there, we find in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 24, that the prophet Samuel now stands before all of Israel, and he says, See ye whom, him whom the Lord hath chosen, 
that there is none like him among all the people. And the Bible says all the people. Everybody say all the people. All the people shouted and said, God save the king. All the people. How many of you know you're never going to have everybody on your side? You're, in fact, they say today, in, in, and again, I know this is dangerous territory to step on, but in the political realm, if you get 51% of the vote, you're doing good. If half the country believes in you, you're doing very good. But the Bible says all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Everybody said, we accept Saul. We believe in Saul. We're behind his leadership. All the people said, God save the king. He's handpicked by God. He's anointed by the prophet. He is approved by the people. And it doesn't end there because 1 Samuel Chapter 14, verse 47, and I'm going to read this portion from the New Living Translation, but it says this about the reign of Saul, that when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, or after Saul became the king of Israel, he fought against his enemies all around him, against Moab, against Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines, and listen what it says, and wherever he turned, he was victorious. Amen. What a great beginning to the kingship of Saul. He is handpicked by God. He's anointed by the prophet. He is approved by the people. And he brings great victory. Everywhere he goes and everything he does, there is victory in the hand of Saul. Can I tell you today, if you have all those things going for you, it's going to be a good ending, very likely. But now we read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, that what had begun with so much promise, what began with being handpicked of God, anointed by the prophet, approved by the people, and victorious in everything he does, we read now in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that everything that started with promise has now come to an abrupt halt. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned away from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. If I could lay just a little bit of groundwork here, Saul has disobeyed God. What leads up to this rejection? What leads up to this abrupt turn in the favor of Saul into being rejected of God? What has brought to this point is that God has given Saul a very clear instruction to destroy Agag and all of the people that are with him. And Saul decides instead of obeying God completely, instead of getting rid of everything in my life, I'm just going to get rid of the things that I know are repulsive to God, but I'm going to hold on to the things that I can make reason of. If I can make an excuse for keeping it, I'm going to keep it alive. And God says, Saul, I might have handpicked you and you might have had the anointing on you and the people may approve of you and you may be victorious, but the moment that you decide you can hold on to what I told you to let go of, I'm through with you. I know we live in a modern Christian age that says you can serve God and hold on to your demons at the same time. That you can love God and love the world at the same time. But I'm not here to preach to you a modern Christian theme. I'm here to preach to you what the Word of God says. And the Bible says you've got to come out from among them. 
The Bible tells us that God is looking for a people that will serve him with all of their heart. Again, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it does mean that you're striving to give God the very best in every area of your life. Now what started out so promising ends. Conception began by being handpicked, anointed, approved, powerful in his reign, but now God has rejected him, and Samuel can't stop crying. 1 Samuel 16 and 1, the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you mourn? How long are you going to keep crying about what I'm finished with? How long are you going to keep crying about what I repented that I ever touched in the first place? How long are you going to stop wishing Saul was still the king when I've already moved on to somebody else? How long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to try to keep holding on to what I've already gotten over? Samuel continues to lament and mourn over something that God had already moved on from. You see, Saul represented the past. What was and what used to be, what had been. What up until this moment had brought great victory. David, however, represents the future. David represents what will be. David represents what God is getting ready to anoint. What God is about to raise up. The plan that God has for the future. But now that God has rejected the past, Samuel can't stop crying over it. Samuel can't stop mourning over yesterday. Samuel's still stuck in nostalgia. Samuel's still wishing he could go back to Midway Drive. Samuel's still wishing we could just go back to 2019 and God is saying Samuel why are you still mourning over what I'm finished with because humanity everybody say that's me no not me say that's you that's me all right that's all of us everybody's like, I said say that's me everybody's like that's pastor no that's everybody in this building we have a tendency to get stuck in the last chapter. We have a tendency to get stuck in what used to be. It's the stuck that we read about in the 137th Psalm when the captives that are in Babylon have decided that they cannot sing in a strange place. The Bible says in Psalms 137 verse 1, By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered the last chapter, when we thought about Zion, when we thought about where we used to be, we couldn't sing any longer. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst of a strange place. For there they carried us away captive and required us of, 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 of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing unto, one, uh, unto us one of the songs of Zion. And they responded and they said, How can we sing in a strange land? We can't sing unless we go back to yesterday. Can I tell you the devil will try to steal tomorrow's song by getting you you mourning over yesterday. Living hope, I know it's a strange land that we're living in, but we better get our harps out of the willows. We better get our harps out of the trees and understand that God's about to give us a new song. I don't need to go back to Zion to sing. I can sing in a strange land. 
I came to ask you today, can you sing in Babylon? Can you sing in a strange land? Can you sing in the midst of uncertainty? Well, if we ever get past COVID, I'll get my song back. If things ever go back to the way they were in 2019, then we can have revival. I've got to come to let the devil know we're going to have revival no matter what. My family's going to be saved no matter what. My children are going to be saved no matter what. I'm going to keep on singing no matter what. They put the harps in the trees and said we can't sing in this new place because we miss the old place. How can I sing a song in Babylon when all I can think about is Zion? That's what it says. When they remembered Zion, they hung their harps up. How can we sing a new song when we can't get over the old place? How can I anoint David? Samuel says, how can I anoint David when all I can do is mourn over Saul? How can I anoint my tomorrow when all I'm doing is grieving over yesterday? It's the same stuck that caused the blindness of the Pharisees in the Gospels. God introduced a salvation that comes through, by grace through faith. And the Pharisees are still stuck trying to prop up a salvation that comes through works according to the law. They're still stuck in an old, in an old salvation that comes through works. And God is saying, I've got a new way. And the Pharisees are mourning over an old way. Amen. If you think that we're above getting stuck in 2021, it's human nature to get stuck in the old way. It's the same stuck that the apostles faced in the book of Acts. Jesus is trying to reveal that this Holy Ghost that had been poured out wasn't just for one certain race of people. He knows that he's got to have some preacher who's got enough um, guts to go down and preach to people that don't look like him. That don't, have, that don't come from the same race and lineage as him. And, and, and God couldn't find nobody, so he had to have Peter go up on his housetop. And there Peter goes and has a vision, and in that vision, a blanket comes down, and in that blanket are all kinds of unclean food that he knows he's not supposed to eat, but God says, eat. And Peter says, ain't no way, God, I'm not touching the unclean. And God brings the blanket down again and says, Peter, I said, eat. And Simon says, ain't no way. And God said, Peter, don't you dare call common what I have called clean. If I say something is blessed and anointed, then you better start eating. God had to get somebody unstuck so there could be revival. And I believe in this hour, God's got to get the church unstuck so we can have revival. This revival isn't for white people. It's not for black people. It's not for brown people. It's for all people. This revival is not for Democrats. It's not for Republicans. It's not for Libertarians. It's for all people. we got to get unstuck. It's time to stop mourning over Saul when there's a David that's about to be anointed. I lost some of you on that one. It's the same stuck that we got into in 2021. 
I, I mean, I fight it. I do. I fight some of that nostalgia. When we're fighting with all that's in us just to get back to the way things used to be. What, what I wish it still was. When God is about to anoint a new king. When God has got the pen on parchment about to write a new chapter. How many of you know the book of Acts? There's no amen on the, on the end of the book of Acts. Look through your Bible. Most every book in the Bible ends with amen. There's only a few. I think Acts might be the only chapter, the only book in the Bible that doesn't end with an amen. That's because it's not over. And I believe today God's got his hand on parchment. And he's ready to write a new chapter. But he's got to have a church that's not wishing for yesterday. That's not hung up in yesterday. It's time to stop mourning over Saul and let God anoint David. But Samuel can't stop mourning. And many people never stop mourning. They go to their grave clinging to an old chapter. They pass from this lifetime lamenting a chapter that God had moved on a long time ago. A long time ago, God got over your failure, but you can't get over it. A long time ago, God was ready to forgive you of your sin, but you can't forgive yourself. A long time ago, God was ready to use you, but you've already disqualified yourself. Hey, it's time to stop mourning over Saul and start rejoicing because somewhere in Bethlehem, there's a shepherd boy. Somewhere in Bethlehem, there's the greatest king that Israel's ever seen. There are people here today lamenting a season in your life that God has already turned the page on. It's over. Let it go. Turn the page. Let it go. Oh, no. Man, I was, I was cool back in that, that chapter. That was a good chapter. God, can't we go back? I had friends and influence back in that chapter. Let, let's, just, let's just stay right here for a while and God, no, no. Nope, we're going to keep on turning the page. There are people here in this building right now that you're trying so hard. You're lamenting over Saul. You're trying to hold on to a chapter in your life that God has already moved on from. We need to recognize what God is trying to turn the page on. Why God is working to close the last chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together. And they came to Samuel unto Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, thou art old, and thou, thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Going back to the inception of, king, of Saul as the king. This is where the whole kingship of Saul came from. And one of the reasons that we need to let the last chapter go. So all the elders come. This is, this is why Israel is still being ruled by prophets. The prophets are... Speaking, how many of you know the difference between a prophet and a king? A prophet is saying, God told me to tell you all this. A king is saying, this is what I think. A king is saying, I, 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 spent, I spent four years at Harvard, and before that I went to the you know, College of Southern Mary. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's possible. I, I've got a degree on my wall. I've got advisors around me that are advising me. And from my wisdom, here's the decision that I think we should make. Prophets didn't do that. Prophets walked in all by themselves and said, I spent some time with the Lord last night, and God said, you need to kill Agag. Well, they were tired of dealing with prophets. They wanted to be like all the other nations around them. 
They wanted to be like all the other nations who, who had conference rooms where everybody got together and they, they got their minds together and they used human reasoning and intellect and they came about their decisions. So all the elders come and they say to Samuel, we want a king like everybody else. Skip down to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 22. And the Lord says to Samuel, and there's some interesting dialogue between the people coming saying we want a king. And this verse, because if God's like, I don't want a king. I don't need a king. I've got prophets here. But the people, it's what the people want. Be careful asking God for things that God doesn't want in your life. Be careful pressing and pushing because of what you want. A lot of times, the very thing that you think you can't live without is the last thing you need. The Lord said to Samuel, okay, listen to them and give them what they want. Make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, go you every man into his city. The last chapter, Saul. The inception of King represents, the inception of King Saul is a representation of what the people wanted. It was birthed by human desire and human reasoning. Saul, that last chapter that God is saying it's time to close that chapter and move on to the next one. Samuel, it's time to stop mourning over Saul. I got over Saul a long time ago. But that the, the Saul, where Saul came from, he came out of human reasoning. He came out of your desire. He came out of what you, how many of you have gotten, don't raise your hands on this, but you, you, God, I need that relationship. God, please let that person fall in love with me. God, please, I know they're the one. And then they did, and you're like, why did I do that? Especially if you're married, don't raise your hand right now. It's our human desire. We anoint Saul king. Can I tell you why God closes chapters in our lives? Can I tell you why God said it's time to get Samuel stop mourning over Saul? Anytime God closes one chapter in your life, it's because the next one is going to be better. Anytime God says, Samuel, stop mourning over Saul, it's because there's a David that is waiting. Listen, if God is trying to move you beyond a season in your life, you need to trust God that the next season is going to be better. I know we wish we could go back to the way things were in 2019, but I'm just telling you by the end of 2021, it's going to be better than it ever was in 2019. Y'all don't believe me. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Do you trust that God knows what he's doing? Then why are you still mourning? Why are you still mourning over Saul? Anytime God closes a chapter, it's because the next one is going to be. Do you trust God in that? How many of you have lost a job and you didn't see it coming? The next thing you know, a better job is right around the corner. How many of you have learned to trust God that the next chapter is always better? Now let's look at the inception of King David. Saul came about as a result of the desire of the people. But now in 1 Samuel 16 and 1, the Lord says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? I rejected that joker. I, I didn't, God is saying, I didn't, lose, I didn't lose one night's sleep. I mean, I've been over that dude. In fact, the moment you anointed him, I was just about done with him then. Because he's what the people wanted. I never wanted him to begin with. So stop crying over what, I, what I've already rejected. There's a powerful principle there when we mourn over what God has finished with. 
The Bible says, and I'm all for love, but the Bible says we need to hate the things that God hates. And we need to love. There's a problem when in 2021 the church is starting to love things that God hates. All right, three amens and a lot of let's be real quiet so we don't purge ourselves in the guilt of what the pastor just said. There's a problem in 2021 when the church loves things that the word of God says are an abomination in the sight of God. Now, because we hate something doesn't mean we have to be hateful. Doesn't mean we have to be hateful. The reason we hate sin is because sin destroys the reason we hate sin is because it kills people. The reason we hate sin is because it destroys humanity. If you don't hate sin, then you don't love people. If you don't hate sin, then you don't love God. Amen. It's time for the church to stop crying over what God has rejected. I keep interrupting my preaching. Let me get back to it. I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Now listen, fill thine horn with oil and go. Stop crying, cry baby, get up. Fill your horn with oil. And I'm sending thee to Jesse of the Bethlehemites. For I have provided me a king. The last king was man's idea. The last chapter that I'm trying to get you to move past was your idea. The stuff that you can't get over was your idea. But I've got something better because my ideas are always better than your ideas. My ways will always be higher than your ways. My thoughts will always be higher than your thoughts. Listen, I'm telling you, the next chapter is something that God has anointed. And the next chapter represents what God wants. So how do we get to the next chapter? How do we allow God to close a chapter that we can't stop mourning over? How do we turn the page and embrace an uncertain future with the confidence that if God rejected the last chapter, it's because if God rejected Saul, it's because he's already identified a David. Just two things in closing that I believe can be found in the answer of how we close the chapter. I think it goes back to the anointing of these two kings. 1 Samuel 10 and 1, the Bible says that Samuel takes a vial. Everybody say a vial. Takes a vial of oil and pours it on the head of Saul and kisses him. It says this, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed to be captain over the inheritance? Now, what is a vial? Let me, let me just kind of break down a little bit of biblical vernacular. Samuel carries Saul's anointing in a vial or a flask, which comes from the Hebrew word pak. Everybody say pak. All right, up in Michigan, or up in uh, Boston, that's what you do with your car in a parking lot. But Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so. There's two... Brother Roberts, I see disdain on your face right now, disgust. <laughs> Two things that we find from studying this Hebrew word. First, it, it speaks of a small container. Small container. Not long ago, my wife and I had 
gone to a restaurant. She asked for some Tabasco sauce. And they brought her out this cute little thing of Tabasco sauce. And her response was, it's so cute. It's like, I just want to take it home with me. It's just this little tiny. Anybody ever see? It's like one serving of Tabasco. Y'all seen those? That, that's a vial. All right, that's, that's this flask. It's a small, it's a man-made of alabaster. It's a small container of oil. And, and really the word there where it says that Samuel poured the oil, it, it really, if you study that word, it trickled. He, he just kind of trickled it into on the top of Saul's head. Now, the oil that was in the anointing on Saul and David was the exact same anointing. No difference. It was the same oil. And that oil is a type of the Spirit of God. But with Saul, the man of God brought just enough, just enough to kind of put a little sheen in his hair, a little shine there. But, but, but it wasn't messy. You know, it, was, it wasn't out of control. It was manageable. After the anointing was over, Saul could go back home and, you know, just kind of put some head and shoulders in there and go back to what he used to be. Just, just a little bit of anointing, just a little bit out of a man-made substance. And that old chapter that God is trying to move you beyond is, is, is just enough God, just a little bit of God, just enough to give me the appearance of righteousness. I, I just, I, you know, I don't want to become one of those fanatics. I, I don't want to become like this guy who's standing up. I mean, I don't want to be that guy. That's Brother Albert. I don't, I don't want to be like Christian. I, don't be, I just want to be that guy that comes to church and says, I just want people to know that I go to church, but I don't want them to know I go to that church. I just, just enough God to keep me from being an absolute heathen. I just want enough Holy Ghost that I can speak it to, in tongues on, in, in church on Sunday, but, but I don't want too much that I can't cuss at work on Monday. I want to be able to control the oil. I don't want too much oil that it overwhelms me. I just, I just bring with you one of those small containers. Just bring with you one of those man-made containers. And that's the chapter that God is trying to move us beyond. God is trying to move the church beyond the kind of anointing that we can control. Beyond the kind of anointing that we can turn on on Sunday and turn off on Monday. Then we look at the anointing of David. 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel says to Jesse, are these all your sons? And he says, well, there's one more, but he's out there keeping sheep. He's of no interest to you. And Samuel says to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. Amen. If there's ever a passage of Scripture written about me, God, can you just copy and paste that out? Just copy and paste that about Jesus. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him. But this is a, this is a different anointing. This isn't some little man-made flask with a few drops of oil, just enough to put a little sheen in your hair, but not really to change your countenance. Not, not, no, this is a different kind of anointing. Because the Bible, Samuel gets a horn of oil. Now a horn of oil comes from sacrifice. It comes after you kill that bull and you cut the horn off the head of that bull. It's a messy process. Amen. Can I tell you the next chapter that God is trying to take us to, there's got to be a death if we're going to get there. Something has got to die if you're going to get there. We're not going to get there on man-made religion. We're going to get there by building altars and walking down to an altar and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. 
That last chapter you wanted to church. That last chapter you just wanted Sunday anointing. But this next chapter, if the church is going to go there, we've got to build altars. Something's got to die in our lives. Something's got to die in our lives. There's got to be sacrifice. The Bible says he filled that horn full of oil. I don't know if you've ever seen the horn of a bull, but it ain't no little Tabasco one size, one serving size, no. He fills that horn with oil and the Bible says he anoints him and, and the word there is not the same. It's not the same word as we used before. The word there that is used, he smeared it all over David. He smeared it all over his face. He smeared it all over his clothes. He smeared it all over his neck and through his hair. It got everywhere. When David got up from there, there was no denying everywhere he went. People know there's something different about David. He's not the same guy. We don't need cute little anointings in 2021. We need the smearing of anointing. We need the power and presence of God. I don't want Sunday anointing and Monday I fall apart. I want to be transformed. Stand with me. old chapter Saul little man made vile just enough tired of just enough tired of just enough church I'm tired of just enough presence of God tired of us just having just enough move of God that we could say we had good church anybody else how many of you can just feel that what we're going to need in 2021 we're going to need more than a just just enough anointing. Came from a whore. I'm going to tell you how you close the, how you stop crying over Saul and you trust God to raise up a David. The only difference is there's got to be a sacrifice. How does Jesus, God of the flesh, how does he be, how did he go from being a great man who did miracles, turned water into wine, walked on, and those are good things. But how did he go from that to the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world? He did, he died. First he went to a, to a, to a, a garden where nobody else was, and he prayed until great drops of blood came down. He, he prayed until his sweat became as great drops of blood, and he said, God, not Saul, not what I want, not what man wants, but thy will be done. And then they led him to a tree, and they broke his body. They drove a spear into his side and blood and water gushed out. They laid that strap on his back and they pulled away meat out of his bones. And he bled and he suffered and he died. But in that death, Saul passed away and David was birthed. In that death, a good man became the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Let's bow our heads. How long will you mourn? How long will you mourn? Some of you are, some of us, trying to hold on to old seasons that God is already over. God's already moved on. And let me tell you, when God moves on, he's not going back. 
when God says I'm done with Saul he's not going back to Saul and some of us are waiting to see God are you going to change your mind about that season Lord, are you sure there's no way we can go back to the wake? Are you sure there's no way that I can be carnal and spiritual at the same time, God? Are you really sure it's got to be everything or nothing? The Holy Ghost today is saying to some folks in this building, how long will you mourn? God is saying to somebody, do you trust me that the next chapter in your life is going to be better than the one before? Well, the answer is an altar, and I invite you to come right now. The sacrifice that we bring today is not bulls, it's not lambs or goats, it's our bodies. For you guests that are here today, don't worry, we're not talking about human sacrifice, we're talking about giving our lives unto the Lord. Where we put ourselves on an altar and we say, okay, Lord, not my will but thine be done. Listen, if you're in this building today and you've lived through a season of Saul, of doing things that you wanted to do and making decisions out of what pleased you, I'm telling you, you're here today because God has a better chapter. God has better things that he wants to do in your life, but it cannot happen until you come to an altar and you present sacrifice unto the Lord. As we come to this altar right now, I'm asking us to come and present our bodies as living sacrifice. yesterday's mistakes and God is God's all ready to move on for he's ready to move on from that he's he's just waiting on you to repent he's waiting on you to ask him for forgiveness he's already got a future plan he already sees David in the field he already sees the great things that he has in store for your life he's not nearly as stuck on what you're stuck on as you are well, there's no way God could forgive me for that sin. Can I remind you that that's the reason that he died? 2,000 years ago, he looked into the future and he saw every sin that Christian would commit, every sin. 
Jason. He saw every sin that Jason would commit. You know what he did? He didn't turn around and say, oh, never mind. I thought they were good people. No, he said, that's the reason that I'm going to die. The reason that I'm going to die is because I look in the future and I see a James Phillips and I see all of his mistakes and I see all of his mess ups. But it's time to stop mourning over Saul and it's time to anoint David. It's time to sacrifice and put Saul behind you and it's time to anoint the next chapter. So we're gonna repent right now all across this room. We're gonna offer sacrifice unto God. Whatever it is in your life that you think God can't get over, I promise you, He already has. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you all across this room, there are sinners. Beginning with the guy holding the microphone, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the, the devil, his desire is that we will spend the rest of our life mourning over Saul. Lamenting over past mistakes. Lamenting over past sin and failures in our lives. When all along there's been a gracious, mighty God saying, Listen, if you'll just offer sacrifice unto me, if you'll take that horn of oil, I've got a future waiting for you. I've got great plans for you. I've got things I want to do through you that you can't even imagine what I'm about to do. So we ask you to forgive us right now, Lord. You said in your word, that if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all. Everybody say all. I want you to think right now about that sin you think God can't forgive you of. All. All unrighteousness. That area, that season of your life that you think God cannot let go of, God has already let go of it. Now I want us to thank God for his forgiveness in this place. Now here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, church, it's time to stop mourning over Saul. It's time for you to stop lamenting over what used to be, what might have been, what should have been, what could have been. And it's time for you to get your eyes on David. It's time for you to get your mind fixed on what God is about to do. It's time for you to let go of what used to be and get a hold of what's going to be. And I'll admit it, as a church, I, I kept waiting. All right, when's COVID finally going to get over? When's this craziness finally going to end so we can get back to what it used to be? And I feel like God has said, okay, it's time to stop mourning over Saul. Stop mourning over Saul because even after COVID is gone, I don't want the church going back to what it used to be. I want, I want it, it's going to be new and it's going to be better. It's going to be new and it's going to be greater. I want you guys to get some vision with me right now. I want you to see that wall right there. See that back there? I want you to see that wall gone, and I want you to see the hallway going into our new sanctuary. I want you to see the parking lot wrapping around the building. And we're in a, we're in a sanctuary over there that seats 1,200. And down below us over here, there's a gymnasium. Where at the church, we have that. We got to begin to think, hey, David is better than Saul. The next chapter is better than the last chapter. I want us to get vision. 
that we've got churches planted in Littertown, and we've got a church in Mechanicsville, and we've got a church down in Lexington Park on Great Mills Road. And God is raising up leaders in this church. And we're meeting in our homes throughout the community. And in our living rooms, people are being delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. Can anybody praise God with me? I'm done crying over Saul. I'm through mourning over Saul. Come on, let's go anoint David. Let's anoint the future. Let's anoint tomorrow. everybody take your hand and stretch it towards me now do a u-turn and put it on your own forehead i got a bigger target than you do but get that forehead palm that thing all right i want you to pray i want you to anoint your future i want you to anoint not that little vial little oh god little anointing no get get that thing that vial that that horn of oil god anoint my future my tomorrows are going to be greater than my yesterdays. God, what you're about to do in me is going to be so much greater than what you've already done in me. I won't even be able to comprehend what you're about to do. I want you to anoint your future. Come on. I don't care what yesterday looked like. I know Saul messed up, but God's not finished working in Israel. I know Saul made a mistake, but God's not finished. He's just looking for a man. He's just looking for somebody in a pasture somewhere that's still singing songs and caring for people. Come on, pray like you really believe God's got a future on your life. Come on, it's time we get passionate about our own future. We want preachers and ministers to care about our future when we won't even take five minutes to pray a perfect prayer over whom I'm about to be. I want you to speak some faith, devil. You're not ready for what God's about to do. Come on, open your mouth and speak faith, devil. You're not ready for what God is going to do in my life in this next chapter. Switch hands if your hand's getting tired. I don't think the right hand's the only one that's anointed. Listen, I'm asking, as your pastor, I'm asking you all to do this with me. Pray over your future. Because you will not stop mourning Saul until you've anointed David. From the moment that Samuel anointed David, he never mourned over Saul again. All right, some of you can't obey. That's all right. Come on. I want you to pray. We're going to pray a little bit more. We're going to anoint our future. We're going to anoint our tomorrows. I'm not stopping yet. We're not finished yet. God's not through with this church yet. He's not through with you. He's not through with me. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. If I can pray over somebody else in tongues, I can pray over my own future in tongues. Now I want us to give God a hand clap of praise all around this room.
Come on, Living Hope. It's time to stop mourning over Saul. It's time to stop mourning over Saul, and it's time to anoint David. Are you ready? Are you ready for greater revival than we've ever seen? Are you ready for greater demonstration of the Spirit than we've ever seen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Last time in closing, would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, I pray. I believe this, God. I believe it with all of my heart. That when you close the chapter, it's because there's a better one coming. In our humanity, we wrestle because we get familiar with the pre- with this, this present chapter. We grow comfortable in the present chapter. We've kind of grown fond of Saul. We grow an affinity with the things that we've had in our lives. But God, you begin to tear those things away. Not because you're finished with us, but because there's something greater on the horizon. And I ask you, God, help us to believe this, not just as a principle, but help us, God, to believe this practically for our lives, that the best days for the church are ahead of us. The best days of this church are ahead of us. So Saul, this is the last time that I will mourn over you. Saul, this is the last time I will shed tears over you. From this day forward, I'm anointing David as the king in my life. From this day forward, I'm going to get excited about my future in Jesus Christ and what he's going to do in and through me. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, give God a hand clap of praise. here today has not been baptized in Jesus name amen sister Roberts came to me earlier she said pastor I know we got that you know since uh, with COVID and all only they have to be from the same household we need to think through that because she said I just have a feeling today we're going to have a lot of people that, that are going to need to be baptized and that's the kind of faith we need to come to church with amen we got, we got to figure out a way to drain this thing quicker so we can get water in it that's the kind of we need to be we need to be solving problems like that like how can we get more people baptized amen sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there to get to our destination we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path be sure to subscribe and watch us every sunday at 11 a.m eastern standard time Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com.